0: Welcome back everyone to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. I can hardly believe that this is our 100th episode. And to commemorate, we are going to dive into our series on God's divine nature also known as the godhead this is a massive topic and it is extremely controversial so why not go ahead and take it up during our 100th episode <laughs> we are going to discuss different views on the godhead and tie into some of our podcast episodes where we interview people who have different views on god's nature we're going to dive into what the Bible teaches, looking at both the Old and New Testament. Throughout this series, we will discuss Jesus as the God man and what Scripture speaks of in his relation to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. Finally, we'll tie it all together, answering some of the toughest questions for each of the different philosophical views on the Trinity, on Unitarianism, on Oneness. So I hope you enjoy this series, kick back, open up your Bibles, and let's do some deep dive and discussion on God's divine nature. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to our 100th episode. This is an exciting time, and I know in the... uh, in the grand scheme of things, right? There are podcasts out there with thousands of episodes. <laughs> so, um, but for us, this is a milestone. And uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who is uh, is listening to this and sharing the podcast with friends, family, coworkers, um, people that you're working with or um, that you, you feel like will have some, some value out of it. And um, definitely hope the content has been, you know, at least somewhat, you know, steadily getting better over 100 episodes think we're maybe a little bit better than our episode one or two and um, I again want to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing commenting and all of that and I want to also those who've reached out and said how much this episode had or this not this episode because it's not even this episode still being recorded um, that this podcast has really helped you and given you a lot of um, insight and information and changed your um, you know perspective on things. I really do appreciate that that kind of feedback. I'm gonna say um, sorry right now I'm gonna apologize for any uh, n- sort of nasliness. I'm a little congested and stuff here. picked up a little something hopefully it's not the big C word right um, I don't think so. I had that a couple of years ago couple of, yeah, couple what when was that? feels like a couple of years ago. <laughs> it was just over a year ago, I guess. Um, so I, I should be good to go. But um, yeah, just uh, sorry for any coughing or um, or whatnot. And every now and then I'll probably take a little sip of water. But uh, I think we will get through this because here in the 100th episode, we are going to be discussing uh, God's nature, also known as the Godhead Um, we, we've done several interviews that you can go and you can go check out. Um, we interviewed Roger Perkins on a oneness perspective and, uh, we interviewed with a, um, a Unitarian, biblical Unitarian, Sean Finnegan. And then of course you can, um, check out our, our final, I think that was the last one we did interview with uh, a Trinitarian, Matt Slick. And each of those, I think, was just, you know, informative and a nice sort of um, friendly dialogue. I I don't know um, that—I certainly hope that my viewpoints didn't come out too much in those those interviews because I really just wanted to interview, ask questions, and get the information out there. Ask some tough questions, you know, biblical and scriptural things like, hey, what about this, what about that? But, um, you know, I didn't want too much of what I believe— to come out because I wanted to digest it, think about it, pray about it, re- you know, read even more scripture, really look at it, and then do uh, this episode here. So we have a playlist now up on the YouTube channel where you can go and and you can watch all of the God's Nature series, so all three of those interviews, and we will be putting uh, these videos in that uh, playlist as well. So here we go. This is kind of what we're going to do with this. I'm just going to go through the scriptures. I'm going to to go through a couple of key points um, in each episode. I don't know how many episodes this is going to be in this series. I don't want to do like a three-hour just me talking. That would be awful. So I'm thinking maybe four or five uh, different segments where we will um, discuss what the scripture is. Teaches, and then we will tie it back to some of these different views oneness, Unitarian, Trinitarian. You know, when we go through something and say, Hey, you know, uh, here's what the Bible says on this particular issue or item, I might then tie that into how are Trinitarians correct or incorrect? How are Unitarians correct or incorrect? How are oneness people correct or incorrect in the way that um, I see the scriptures, what they're teaching and what they're saying? So, again, I um I really want this to be very robust, and I definitely want people to ask questions as you hear, as you study, hopefully, and as you um, maybe come across information you've not heard before. I want you to ask questions of yourself, ask questions um of us podcast at breadbreakers.com, or you can go on to the uh, the channel and ask a question. You can hit us up on Facebook. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. The best way is just send us an email at podcast at breadbreakers.com. But um, definitely want people to get into their Bibles and study this because it's a huge topic, and it's very important. And uh, right off the bat, I'm going to say that I think the... Um, the viewpoint laid out by Sean Finnegan, where this is an important um, concept, understanding God, his nature. There's certainly a lot of things that can flow from this that can get you tripped up or messed up uh, from a salvation issue, but just understanding whether God is a Trinitarian God or a Unitarian uh, oneness, that kind of thing, I think, it's, I think it's a hard case to make that... Um, someone is not saved if they don't fully understand, uh, God's nature, because that would require, just think about this logically for a minute, and I think I got into this a little bit with Matt Slick, because he was kind of like, uh, I think his answer was kind of like, well, initially no, but then uh, it could become a a salvation issue if you kind of, if you see the truth and reject it kind of thing, um, because if it's a salvation issue, that means when someone comes to faith in Christ, when they follow the gospel, when they um, that they also have to be taught on the Godhead and have to understand God properly, and then they will be saved. See, that there's nowhere in the Scripture where you see that being laid out. Um, nowhere. And honestly, I don't think any, I don't know of any, I should say that, I don't know of any, churches, denominations, organizations that when someone whatever their process is to be saved right some of it might be come up to the front shake somebody's hand you know say I you know confess Christ and you're saved others maybe you have to be baptized or whatever I'm not going to get on that topic right now but I'm going to say that most of those places whether it be raise your hand and say hallelujah I love Jesus or whether it be, you know, something over over here where you hey you gotta be you gotta repent, you gotta be baptized. That kind of thing. I'm not aware of anyone that says, Oh, and by the way, we've got this class that you have to take so you can really understand the Godhead, God's nature, uh, and then you can really be saved. Nobody does that that I'm aware of. And that kind of shows you it's they don't really think it's a salvation issue. A lot of people try to make it a salvation issue. Personally, I think. Um, because as, as you probably already know, dear listener, dear friend, a lot of places, if you don't agree with them, they want to damn you to hell <laughs> because they want you to agree with them. And so people try to make everything you know, salvation. People try to make everything necessary um, because a lot of Christians can't just agree to disagree and say, hey, we agree on some core principles here, we agree on some, some some major things, some major uh, scriptural, you know, just this can't budge, this can't be be moved at all. There's no room at all to, to agree to disagree. They can't say that on a few things and then say, hey, but there's a lot of things over here we can agree to disagree on or we can continue to, to have discourse on. Most places just want everybody to kind of line up and agree with everything. And so in order to do that, right, the the most effective way is to make everything like a salvation issue. Like, if you don't do this, then you're not going to be saved. And I don't agree with that, and I've searched the Scriptures, and I actually used to believe that that this was a salvation issue. And now I see, uh, scripturally, that there are things that this can lead to. Your understanding of God's nature could lead you into a direction that is an improper or, or false gospel or an improper response to the gospel. Um, that is certainly possible. But I, I think that people uh, can have different views um, on God's nature and still be in that classification that we would call saved people. Um, I think one of the greatest examples of this, if you go to, uh, his name is Dale Tuggy, T-U-G-G-Y, I believe. I've got his book back here, one of his books back here. Um, He's got a podcast called The Trinities, plural, Trinities Podcast. And part of what he does is interview people that are Trinitarians but have different views on the Trinity. Uh, how it works, how they interrelate. Um, And some of them are pretty, they're pretty different. Now, they all say, oh, we believe in the Trinity, but one Trinity differs so much from the other that it's not really the same thing. And so this is kind of where you get that, you know, people are Trinitarians and you ask 10 Trinitarians to explain the Trinity, you'll get 10 different answers. Well, are they all saved just because they, confess the trinity even though they have no idea what it means right this is where we get into people are saved by by man-made methods and i don't think in the scripture um it's a it's a very easy case to make that you have to get this right or you won't be saved i go back to my example of when someone is initially saved do we you know they're snotting they're crying they're praying they you know do we then say hey Time to get you into class on the Godhead. I don't think so. Um, so, I'm happy to change my mind on that. I'm happy to, uh, if someone can show me scripturally uh, that, that that is the, the case. The scripture I used to use is, unless you believe I am He, you will die in your sins. But then when you go and you look at that, He's talking to them, and the I am He clearly seems to indicate I am the, the Messiah, right? All right, who am I? Who is Jesus, He's not saying, unless you believe I am God uh, in the flesh, then you will die in your sins. I don't, it's very difficult to make that case. And again, um, I used to believe that. So I'm happy to change my mind again, (laughs) if necessary, because ultimately all I care about is being, being correct um, with the scriptures, rightly aligning with the scriptures. Now, First thing here, what is the Godhead when we when we use that term? Because I will I will use that term probably throughout this this discourse. It's just a term. Um, I think the King James version uses it the most, and I I kind of grew up using the King James a lot. So um, I've read you know I don't know fifteen or so different versions of the Bible since then. But uh, and I don't use the KJV a lot anymore. I like Proverbs and Psalms. They just they just sound you know, just better in that Elizabethan English because they're more poetic, but I like other versions because they're more just common vernacular, you know? However, all that means is like God's deity or his divine nature. Um, and, and a couple of things that we've already discussed, You'll if you go watch those interviews, the Unitarian view is basically that God is unitary, or, or unitary, un a unit. Unity. There's unity in God. A unity. Sorry. So, Unitarian. Unity being one. So, God is one person, right? And Jesus was the image of that invisible God, though He was not God Himself. He was the Messiah, the Chosen One. He had all the prerogatives and things that God would lay on Him. Uh, He has the Anything that God says, right? So if God says he has the power to forgive sins, then he has the power to forgive sins. If God says he is the the propitiation for our sins, he is the sacrifice, then he's the sacrifice, right? One argument or one thing I've heard against Unitarianism is, well, in order for uh, people, someone, uh, a sacrifice to pay for the sins of all mankind, then Jesus had to be more than just, I said, quote-unquote, just a man. He had to be God but the scriptures don't necessarily, that's like human reasoning, right? Um, again, I'm happy to change my mind, but the the idea that, well, this is a an eternal, a, a divine um, cosmic justice that has to be met out, therefore it has to be a divine person that is sacrificed, I would say, or the divine judge can simply say, I say simply, but the divine judge can say, I will accept this sacrifice. I'll give you an example from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, and we know that it pointed toward Jesus and all that, but for that time, God was satisfied for a year, right? Sins being rolled over and everything, with the death of an animal. Uh, This is human sin. Why does the death of an animal do anything? Roll it forward appease God for even a nanosecond because God said so, right? And that's the thing that a lot of people, I think, don't—it's they, they, it's weird. Christians have a hard time with, well, God said so, <laughs> you know? And I think we just need to get down to, it doesn't matter what a creed says. It doesn't matter what a great pastor said. It doesn't matter what our family lineage has taught us. What matters is God said so. That's what matters. And I think if we would just have that kind of attitude going forward, that we so many many things in the Scripture can just come alive to us and open to us, and we can be changeable. When we're wrong, we can be changed into the correct, and when we're correct, we can have, one, kind of a solid, like we know it's right because it's right there, God said so, and two, we can have some grace toward people that don't understand it yet, and we can help them along um, as opposed to just judging everybody into hell. So that's basically the Unitarian view, I believe. And, and again, you can go watch the interview with Sean Finnegan and see if you if you agree with kind of what I've extrapolated and boiled down. But again, God is one unitary person, and Jesus was his Messiah, the chosen one, the Uh, image of God, all the prerogatives that God allowed him to have and to do, so healing and miracles and forgiving his sin and all that stuff, although he was man and not God. I'm going to try not to say just a man, because just or only or whatever kind of gives a connotation of meh, but no, if he's the divinely chosen Messiah, he's not just a man, right? So then the Trinitarian view is that God is three persons in one essence. Now, I'm going to say again, Dale Tuggy's um, podcast, go go listen to that, and um, you can look him up, look up some of his books and stuff, but all Trinitarians do not agree. There is not a Trinitarian view, and this is probably the case with Unitarian as well. There are some differences, so I'm just kind of, I'm going to go with the kind of the Maybe the orthodox view, I guess you would. Say. I don't. I don't really know how to call, what to call it. But this is the view that I, I think most people, kind of officially, would say. So, Trinitarian God is three persons in one essence. I've heard uh, three whos in one what. The, the the being God is a what. It's a it's a attribute, right? Um, so you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are all individual persons, they don't say individual, I forget the exact language, but you'll notice that a lot of times with Trinitarians, I'm not trying to knock them, they insert a lot of man-made um, words, a lot of man-made ideas and concepts, and then they'll say, well, that's that's biblical, and they'll try to superimpose that on the Bible. This is, this is evident when you say something like, oh, okay, so you believe in, in, in three individual persons, or three distinct persons, or, and they'll say, no, 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 I don't mean individual, I mean distinct. What do you mean by, what's the difference? Well, I mean, and and again, it's a distinction without a difference. There's no difference. So they believe there are three individuals. There is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And how I know that is they will say, each of these individuals, right, they have their their own mind, their own will, right? It's a person, a a person, a, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. They don't like the word separate, but they are separate. (laughs) They're separate persons, not separate in the sense that they share the divine nature, okay, but they are, like, I can be talking to you, I'm, in this scenario, right, I'm the Holy Spirit, you are the Father, we are interacting like this, two separate persons, they don't like separate, they say distinct, but they're the same thing, it's a distinction without a difference, um, so I think we should get rid of all that boiled, you know, boil all the the special phraseology and special, you know, Latin terms and Greek terms and blah blah blah. Let's just get down to the basics, see what the Scripture says. So Trinitarians believe that God is three persons in one essence. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are co-equal, co-eternal, and they all three make up the one God. So they say there's one God. That's the what. There's one God, one what? One God, but within that one God, there are three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. They believe that the person of Jesus, or the person of the Son, I should say, they believe the person of the Son um, was born of a virgin, became the God-man, laid down his uh, his godly or his divine prerogatives um, and became a man and he is the one that died on the cross was raised again the third day and all that now um that's I mean that that's that's in a nutshell right now God uh, could, <laughs> sorry I don't know what happened there now God uh, um, now oneness folks are kind of a little bit of both of these, and they believe that God is one. They do not believe in three persons in one divine nature, but they do believe Jesus was divine. They believe he was God and man. So you have one God, one man, okay, and God indwelt that man. So you have the Father. We'll say the Father is God the Unitarians agree, only the Father is God. Okay? The Trinitarians disagree, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The three of them are that one what? God. They share that essence of being God. So one folks believe that the one God, though, fully indwelt Jesus sort of without measure, right? And so you have a man with God inside of that man. So he is a man, he, he is like you, he is like me, he has his own mind, so it's not a puppet, it's not a um, um, theophany or anything like that. It is a legitimate man, but within that man dwells the Father in fullness because he did not have a, a human Father, right? An analogy to this, I would say, is like you and me, if we are filled with the Spirit, we are still, we're a person. We're not a puppet, we're not a marionette, we're not any of that. But we have God, a, another being, a divine being, living inside of us, right in the person of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was like that, except we have a measure of God. We have, you know, we have a human father, human mother, and so we are indwelt by this, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, his measure was without measure. It was fully God, divine nature, boom, inside of him. And by by virtue of that indwelling, Jesus was God. So again, I think there's differences, you know, amongst oneness folks. But I, I asked Roger Perkins basically that question: Was Jesus God by nature of the Father fully indwelling Him without measure? And he said yes. So that is his view, and probably a I'd say a majority of the oneness folks. That's that's kind of what they believe: is that Jesus is his own man but he has God dwelling in him without measure in a way that no other human being has ever had God and dwell them and that closeness that level I don't know if I could use that term right that indwelling made him to where you can write you can properly call him God so a lot of this is I mean they're very close I mean Unitarian, Trinitarian, oneness, they are very, a lot of it is very close to each other. And there are some, there are some nuances and some differences. But again, you see, they all affirm one God. Monotheism. They all affirm one God. They all affirm that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, that salvation is through him. It's by his blood we're saved. He's the Son of God. Um, so again, this is why there's all these things that I just... <laughs> right? The essential thing, unless you believe that I am He, right? Um, obviously, if you believe in two gods or three gods, that's problematic. Uh, but none of these folks confess more than one God. All of them confess Jesus as Messiah. All of them confess Jesus as Lord, right? Right? The Father is God. Jesus is Lord. I mean, again, there's just so much commonality here that I'd have to have a very, to me, right. You can be different. We we all can be different, right? We agree to disagree, um, but we all, we all, um, I, I think, have to come to a point where Scripture ha- there has to be a strong scriptural case to prove something like that that you have to believe this certain knowledge about God to be saved. That, that, that requires a strong scriptural case, at least for me. So let's get into it a little bit here. First, what does the Bible teach about, about God? Is he one? Is he two? Is he three? Is he a multiplicity? What does the Bible teach about this? Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because all of these camps um, agree on this. So Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hero O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Okay, that means one. It's the number one. It means one. All right? And this is the fundamental understanding of God's nature. Um, it's known as the Shema, right? You, you'll probably hear that word, the Shema. Um, it, it really is like this... The centerpiece of um, prayers that the Jews recited a couple times a day. It is, I mean, the Shema. <laughs> right? It's the Shema. It is like the sin O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, Mark 12, 28 through 29, Jesus reiterates this. Okay. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus. Yeah, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, he goes on to say, right, Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um uh, I think Sean Finnegan used this and pointed this out, and I think it's a valid point that he didn't correct the guy and say, oh, wait a minute, your Jewish understanding of God being one in unity, that's actually incorrect. God's actually a trinity of persons, and I'm here to kind of reveal that and show that and see that. I think that's a that's a fair point to make, and I think we should say it right here because we're right here in these scriptures. Um, but the word one means one. You can go study it. It means one, one God. Now, from a Trinitarian perspective, they would say, yes, one God, but we believe there are three persons within that one God. And that's, uh, again, something that has to be proven scripturally uh, because throughout the Old Testament, it's one, 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 all the way through. Now, we'll get into that here. Isaiah 43 10 through 11, you are my witnesses declares the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I am the Lord and apart from me, there is no savior. So no God before, no God after, and there is no savior besides me. You see a lot of these, again, personal pronouns, the me, the the um, the declaration that I am the only one. Isaiah 44, 8, Do not tremble, do not be afraid that I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago. You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Isaiah 44, 24, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. Now, he says he was alone when he stretched out the heavens, when he acted in creation. Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord. There is no other apart from me. There is no God. God. Isaiah 46.9, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. So there's none even like God. I am God. Malachi 2.10, have we not all one Father, did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? So over and over and over, there is a singularity in God, a unity in God, there is but one God. Now, this is affirmed, again, by all three of the folks that we um, that we interviewed, and so I don't want to start getting to the, I don't want to start getting into the point where some people will, will you know, look at Trinitarians and just be like, oh, well, you believe in three gods. Some Trinitarians absolutely do believe in three, three gods. When they start to explain it, it's like, clearly three gods. So, that's where... We have to listen to what people believe and go to Scripture alone to, dis, to determine and decide what is true. But the orthodox or the official understanding of all three of these different camps in divine nature um, belief systems is that God is one. There's only one. There's not tritheism or pantheism or anything like that going on. Uh, when you have Jesus, none of them um, none of them believe or uh, try to assert that that is the creation of another God or anything of the sort. Um, it is a incarnation of the God that already existed for the for say Trinitarians and oneness. Um, for Unitarians it's easy. He's a man divinely um, divinely born because God, was the father, but there's no infilling or indwelling uh, of the divine nature that makes him divine, right? But all of them, again, they're all pretty consistent on that. Now, if we do a quick survey in the New Testament, Romans 3.30, since there's only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. So, Romans 3.30, there's only one God. Galatians 3.20, a mediator however does not represent just one party but god is one now i will say a little caveat here god is one what god is one what see that scripture it says a mediator you've got a mediator in between two different parties does not represent he doesn't represent the mediator doesn't represent just one or two parties and in the context here maybe we should go read this verse in context this is galatians 3:20 Let me go go look that one up real quick here. Um, Let's go to Galatians 3.18. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary now an intermediary implies more than one but god is one so an intermediary between two parties a mediator between two parties uh but god is one one what see it it one party, it sounds like, right? You've got one party over here, one party over there, and a third party, a mediator between the two who represents both sides and is trying to mediate, right? God is one what? One party. Now, again, uh, this isn't a new verse or anything that and no one has seen this or thought about this, but I think that's a pretty pretty good indicator of, uh, of some of the biblical truth that we find in the God's nature um, deep dive we're doing. Ephesians 4, 6 says, One God and Father of all, who is above all, who, sorry, who is over all and through all and in all. So this says there is one God and Father of all, right? Who is over all, through all, and in all. Again, it 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 says there's one God, which I think all, everyone agrees with. But it says that one God, one God and Father of all. So are we talking, here's where uh, you know, some of the Trinitarian understanding breaks down in my mind. He's Father, It's the, we're talking about the one God. He's Father of all. Still talking about the one God who is the Father. So I would think that in, in that mindset, right, then this is talking about the Father who is overall through all and in all. So the Father indwells everyone. This is where we get into some of these distinctions and it's like how do you know who we're talking about here? what you know what what is the what is the hmm, what is the scriptural understanding? Because I would think it would say one God, father, son, and spirit of all, who are, overall through all and in all something like that right because we're talking multiple here and you just don't find that kind of language much um in the new testament and so it's just kind of it's just kind of interesting James 2:19 you believe there's one god good even the demons believe that and shudder so you're doing about as good as the demons <laughs> that's you're doing great um First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.17, now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor, glory forever and ever. So again, New Testament, Old Testament, through that quick survey, shows us that I think pretty solidly the scriptures teach there is only one God. Now, for people in Western culture, you grew up, you know, either Christian or you know, at least you went to Sunday school a little bit. Your 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 the sh- the shaping or forming of your understanding of God is more Western. That's probably not that difficult to to grasp. But there are a lot of cultures where there are multiple gods or no God, right? In in religions, right? It's not. There's no real actual being that's like um aware and and cognizant and and active. In creation, these kinds of things, right? So this really, if the scriptures are true, which of course I believe, and I think um, there's a very strong um, case for that, that the scriptures are the correct, quote unquote, religious book, right? I think the scriptures, they they stand the, the course of time, um, but that's not this Bible study series. Um, so we'll just take that for now. And if you have a question on that, please hit me up. But, we see that God is not some force out there. It's not some essence, just kind of, you know, in the ether somewhere out there. God is really just the culmination of all of us, all living things, just all together, and the whole universe, that is God. I mean, these kinds of concepts are things that people believe, and you just don't, you don't see that. You see God speaking through Isaiah, through Malachi. You see him saying, right, there is no God beside me. I am the one who saves. I am the one who, you know, alone stretch out the heavens and spread out the earth. So that kind of obliterates things like deism, right? In deism, I don't know that God is really any kind of savior. He just kind of got everything Started and then piece them out. Um, the religions that believe that there is no actual god, which I think, you know, I don't know all religions, but I, I think the that Buddhism is probably one of the more popular ones that there isn't an actual deity in Buddhism, um, and there are others, but I think most of them are like more Eastern culture type of religions. Um, it also, you know, of course. Any kind of religion that would that would show there are multiple gods, that any kind of polytheism, henotheism, right? All these different theisms, right? Pantheism and panentheism, panentheism, right? Those are there's no actual deity, so those are false. Um, there's a lot of just elimination that happens at this point. We see that monotheism is really the 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 true understanding of God's nature, and in, and specifically, theism, right? Because this is a God that is a a, a all powerful, you know, eternal, right? We read that in First Timothy, the the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, right? <clears throat> and of course, in the Isaiah readings, and this is all over the Bible. We could spend three days just going through scriptures like this. This is a very very. Uh, summary reading, and it's because, again, amongst the God's nature debate and discussion, most of this is agreed upon, so there's no point, like, really hashing this out. Um, but that said, right, God is eternal, He's immortal, He's invisible, He's all-powerful, you get that from these, you know, He created everything, He is the only Savior, the only rock, right, these are things that you can get from this survey of the Scriptures, and and we get to, basically, theism. Um, now, I think in the next uh, the next episode here, we will discuss Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ. Now, I like the term God-man. I, I like that term, and I know that uh, Trinitarians use it a lot. I think it's a very explanatory term. He is a God-man. He is both God and man, um, but I don't want to, you know, by using that term, make people think, oh, he's clearly a Trinitarian. Um, I I, I don't really, again, you label me what I am. I'm not going to say what I am. I'm just going to say what I believe, and then you can put a label on me if you want. (laughs) But I think labels cause problems. I think a lot of times people are a thing because that's just the label that someone put on them, but they don't even believe what that label is says, you know, not to get too far off track, I think denominations are this way as well. You know, you've got uh, Baptists who don't even believe baptism is necessary. You've got Methodists who they don't even know what method makes them Methodist from way back in the day, right? You've got Pentecostals who, um, you know, there's a lot done and said and experienced on the day of Pentecost that is either overblown in some Pentecostal circles, or it's (laughs) underblown in some Pentecostal circles. You've got um, Reformed folks who, really, uh, some of them have Reformed their way right out of the Bible. They'll say sola scriptura, and then much of their doctrine and much of their belief system really comes from creeds and confessions and things, and not so much from the scriptures, although I'm sure they would say, well, the, the confession is based on the scripture. But See see again denominations they just don't they don't they don't capture and then you have non-denominational right which okay I'm non-denominational well what what does that mean what kind of non-denominational and so again I think it it'd be best not to have labels and just be like hey I believe what Jesus and the apostles taught that's the denomination I am and unfortunately there's just a lot of denominations that they veer away from what Jesus and the apostles what they really taught. So again, I'm not huge on labels, although I'm not like some, you know, fanatic that's just against labels or something. Um, I'm just, I'm not real big on them because a lot of times over, especially over time, they lose their explanatory power. I think, you know, at one time when you said Baptist, it meant those people that, you know, hold to a strong view of baptism. But nowadays, I don't think that's, I don't think that holds. I think it holds for some Baptists, and I think there's others that it doesn't. Um, so so again, over time, I think uh labels just get watered down. However, I like the term God man, and so we are going to use that term and we are going to talk about Jesus um in the context of scripture. Jesus in the in the context of of scripture and we will probably deal a little bit with the interaction between the father and jesus between the father and jesus so in our next section i think probably one of the most confusing elements of of the um of the divine nature of the nature of god of this whole discussion of godhead it is jesus why because Jesus is a one-of-a-kind, it happened one time. Uh, there's Well, it's kind of like this, but yet it's not. Oh, it's kind of like that, but yet it's not. That's the issue. Even I gave the analogy earlier, it's kind of like the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Well, I mean, yeah, but then you could show a lot of ways. Well, yeah, but that's it's not quite like that. So Jesus is this incredibly unique, one-of-a-kind uh, event that happened, the Incarnation... Uh, the the coming of the messiah right virgin born all of these things um it's just a -a one-of-a-kind thing and so it's very it's difficult to wrap our brains around Sometimes, so i think it'd be good to just kind of go through and do another quick not quick but a survey of the scriptures and discussion on that so that's what we're going to do next time let me know in the comments what your thoughts are so far Uh, Are we on the right track? Are we way off? Is this completely boring? Is this exciting? You can't wait to the next one. Uh, And what is your belief? What do you think? What do you think about labeling? What do you think about uh, how I presented Trinitarianism or Unitarianism, oneness? Am I way off? Is that not what they believe? I'd love to hear your comments. I'd love to get some interaction with this. But we're going to leave it right here with that. Love you guys. God bless. Can't wait to catch you on the next episode.